thinking of starting a podcast? Well, try Anchor. It's free, easy to use, and its creation tools allow you to record and edit directly from your phone or computer. It'll even take care of distribution for you with a single tap so you can be heard on platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Also, Anchor is the only place you can publish video podcasts directly to Spotify. Man, you can even make money using Anchor in a couple of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. It's truly everything you need in one place to make a podcast. So make sure to go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. As always, it's your boy Mac. Joining me today is my friend and co-host Corey Walsh of Fear the Sword and special guest. I cannot believe we actually got this guy to appear. <laughs> uh, Mr. CJ Miles himself. CJ, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. You know, just living life, being a dad. We were talking about before, but like, you know, everything's good. I can't complain. Ah, oh, man. Yeah, I, I can't even explain to you how excited we are to have you on the pod because to be honest with you man the 20 i would say the 2010 2011 through the 2013 2014 seasons very 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 tough times uh to be a cavalier fan and guys like you uh alonzo g <laughs> uh andrew uh not i was gonna say andrew no, I guys up, man i speak to so we still speak Oh, for real? Yeah. yeah, that's dope, man. Yeah, we'll definitely ask you about him here in a minute. But yeah, you you guys were definitely bright spots and kind of like a dark time in Cleveland. And, you know, I, I can't remember, you know, how many times I would turn on a game and, you know, I'd see you guys playing and it would instantly lift my spirits, you know, win or lose. So I'm not going to waste any time here, man. I'm going to jump right into it. Definitely have a question for you here. And that is, who is your favorite all-time teammate? Oof, you gonna start it off like that? I gotta, I gotta hit uh, you. With the hard ha, one, ha, ha, ha. That is a. I don't know if I can answer that. That question, like one person. I had so many, um, like, good relationships, and because, like, not to get long-winded on it, but because of like coming in so early, there were so many different types of relationships. So, like, when I was younger, I had big brothers. You know, like guys that really you know i was 18 year old kid, so like darren ronnie brewer paul Millsap, those guys kind of like that was like a tight-knit crew that i was around they kind of let me i was like the literally the little brother they let me hang around <laughs> like those guys had like darren had a family already um and then they were just older like i was the youngest guy on my team for what three years um because they changed the rules so like that dynamic was crazy and then um as I got older, I'm trying to trying to get to one. I can't get to one, but I got oh, man. Uh, <laughs> it's all good. It's all yeah, good. I mean, I'll, let, I'll let you cop out on this one. Yeah, yeah I got to cop out. <laughs> all right. Yeah, can you uh, can oh, you give okay. me this one? I'll go on a limb and say Jerry Jack. Okay. All right. Oh, that, that'll that fit the Jack. bill. That'll fit the bill. I was I just, just getting ready to follow up that question with who is your favorite uh, Cavalier teammate from your time there? So Jerry, Jerry Jack, Jack would fit that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> No, but me and Kyrie got really close in those two years. And people, I think people could see that from the outside. Like me and Kyle were like, that's that's my little bro. Like we 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 spent a lot of time together. Um same with Tristan. If I see Tristan, we don't well, you know, it's love. Um 
uh, who else? Luke Walton, who I known for a while um, on that team. Lou Al, the same. Lou Al Dane, the same. So like, there was some. Um, but the greatest uh, Andy Verzal is like the greatest human. <laughs> <laughs> you begged it, Corey. You got that one. Yeah, yeah. I pre- everyone loves the freak. I He's mean. like the greatest person. Like I've never seen anyone mad at him. I've seen anybody fuss at him. Like the effort that he plays with, it's the same type of effort he has as far as like joy outside and the way he lives. The big ball of energy. Yeah. yeah, He's just a great dude, man. I've never seen him mad, except when he's yelling on the court, but that's not really mad. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, CJ, when you were in Cleveland, what did you feel like stood out most to you while you're there for your few seasons? As far as just the city, like the people? Just in general, like what what experience kind of caught you by surprise with Cleveland that you weren't expecting going in? Um, I, I guess like how I didn't know anything about like about the city. So like coming in, just the the welcoming that I got from the city was, you know, was was crazy to me at that at that time. Just because of you know the teams that had been there and what had been going on and what you know what was going on, but the love that I genuinely got just from people. Like, and still to this day, I still get messages from people from Cleveland on social media. Like, I got from around. People say something to me about being on the Cavaliers in that time, which seems like a sh- such a short time. Like, it was a home feeling there. Like, I-, I had a really good time. Like, I played good basketball there, even though we obviously didn't win a lot of games in that time. But, like, I felt like those years were mon- monumental to my career mm-hmm. um, just as a the development as a player. Um, so you said earlier that you were, um, friends with, you were pretty close with Kyrie. You, you said he was like a young, you, you're like a brother figure to him. What did you notice about a young Kyrie? And did you foresee the player that he eventually became today back then? Or like you saw like little pieces that led to what we see now? Uh, yeah, he was always, he was special. Like <laughs> you walk in the gym and it was like, man, like, so the first thing I tell people all the time, the first thing was I didn't realize like, I knew he had a hand. Like, I had seen him. I come from Utah. I had seen him his rookie year. I knew he handled it well. I knew he finished. I knew, he was, you know, he, the things he was exciting to watch. But I did not realize how well he actually shot the ball. Like, as far as just, like, shooting, pure shooting the basketball, he is one of the better shooters that I've competed with in shooting games and working on it in the gym in the summer and in the during the season. Like, he shoots it as well as anybody that I've been in the gym with. And that, to me – was was what I felt like in the beginning that made him stand out so much because he created all that space mm-hmm. and he had the weapons to to make people jump all over the place because he <laughs> shot all so well. Um, and then the other thing was just him getting a taste of the playoffs. We talked about that when I was there. I was like, when you taste that, it'll change the way you work, the way you see it, the way you feel about just, you know, that's, that, that third season of basketball. And once he did that, I think it kind of, Put up the switch and made him understand how much more work he had to do to be who he who he said he wanted to be, which who is he who he is now. He was locked in, dude. When he first reached the playoffs, you could tell he was his game was built for that. He, mm-hmm. he definitely one of those types of guys. For sure. Uh, I I wanted to ask you about something that uh kind of in Cleveland mythology right now, I kind of feel like. So you held the record for most threes made in a game until Kyrie broke it. it the game was ridiculous, man. Like, did, did did somebody actually tell you that you were close to breaking a record as you were doing it? 
And do you remember what was going through your head whenever you were, you know, because you you were lights out, dude. Nothing was going through my head. Like, that was why the game went the way it went. Like, I literally was just like, they call it like in a flow. Like, I just was playing basketball. So I knew going into that game um, that they were one of the worst teams at the time of guarding the three-point line. (laughs) I knew that. Scouting report, right? So the scout report on them, I knew that. So I knew I was going to get attempts that night if I stayed active and moved and just kind of put myself in position. And then I made the first couple and – then, so even Mike Brown didn't know. So I remember being, <laughs> so no funny. I remember being on the bench. Jared Jack did not play this day, which goes to speak on Jared Jack being a great teammate. He goes to Mike Brown and says, "Are you going to put him back in? He's about to break a record." And Let Mike him break goes, it. Yeah. And Mike goes, "Who?" <laughs> Mike, <laughs> Mike Brown says, "Who?" And and then I get back in the game um, in the second half, and then we uh, we end up running away with the game. So. Um, I wish I would have got a chance. Jared was actually mad that he didn't let me try to get the league record at the time, which was like 13 <laughs> or 14, which I probably yeah. really got because there was enough time. But yeah, um, I didn't I didn't know until they said anything to me. I I, I was just I knew I was making shots. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you you actually I want to say you're in there twice because you made 10 on that occasion right there, as you guys can see. Dude, you're I'm just just looking at these highlights. This is crazy. And then I think you are also tied for third as well with eight made triples. Um, guys like yeah, Kyrie. The year before, yeah. the mm-hmm. year before I did the, um, the the thing that the one you posted actually the, the way we ended up even getting to this point. Um, yeah, somebody somebody showed me the video that was posted and I retweeted it. Um, that game in uh, in Brooklyn. Just absolutely ridiculous lights out, man. That's I think your game is, was kind of synonymous with that. And I feel like you would fit in really well had you come in at a like a at this latter point that we're at right now. So yeah, that's the conversation that we've had. Like <laughs> yeah. Like I, I definitely was a little bit too ahead. Like I was playing small ball before the league went small. I was playing I I was I was like three or four years too early. <laughs> yeah you would easily fit in on like any team in the league today yeah. not that you didn't back then it was just it was yeah. more uncommon you know for sure it, i would be some of the shots that i got fussed at for early on when i was doing it i would <laughs> be, like they would like put a red carpet down for me to take those shots like no. oh yeah, yeah. Back then, if you took more than th- a few threes coaches would yell at you and now it's yeah. like please take five or more if you're gonna no. just be so, that type of player I came into the Utah Jazz. We were in a system. Everything was 15-foot jump shots and layups. Like, that was not, you know, we didn't, I didn't really start to shoot the three like that until I got to Cleveland. And Mike Brown sat me sat me down, and he literally said to me, he said, you shoot the ball well enough. I think you shoot it well enough, and it's been a big enough part of your game where I think you should focus on this more. Especially for me playing with Kyrie and then Dion and then Jared and guards that played the way they played having Andy screen, having Tristan screen. He's like, this could really, you know, be a separation thing for you. And I'm, you know, I'm down for anything that's going to bring me more minutes. So (laughs) we really had that conversation and he literally changed my mindset on how I worked on my shooting and putting myself in position to be able to shoot the ball in different ways and more, more range off the move, being really prolific in the corners. Um, He, he, I salute him for that. He changed everything. 
How does a, a transition for a player like that happen? Because you always see like as players' careers go on further, sometimes they have to completely alter their game in order to stick around in the league. So do you you said in, you feel like your time in Cleveland kind of was like when you made your change? How does that affect you like mentally? I guess in your case, you're like, I have to score more, I guess. <laughs> that sounds all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I also I always looked at the game like I always wanted to be the to help my team. Mm-hmm. So whatever I could do to help my team, I was going to try to do it. And I just ended up in a position where at that time where that was one of the biggest things that I could do, because if you look at that roster, we didn't have anybody that did what I did that way. Mm-hmm. And then it just led me down that path where people started calling when I was a free agent because <laughs> of me doing that. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to, you know, I wanted to play. Like I said, I wanted more minutes and I've been playing with guards like that my whole career. I played with Darren Williams for six years before that. We just didn't play that way. So getting to Cleveland was the first time I was exposed to just like that free open setting and um, the bigs and the dribble handoffs and all the things that allow me to play with that freedom. And I took advantage of it. Oh, CJ, dude, we'd love to see you play with Cleveland right now uh, (laughs) with the three big lineup that we uh, we have in town right now. Uh, But what do you think uh, what kind of advice could you give a guy like Isaac Okoro, who we know, you know, he shows the threat of being able to potentially expand um out to the three-point line um you know he was able to up his three-point percentage from 29 percent his rookie season to 35 percent this previous uh this past season but it was on lower volume uh what kind of advice could you give a guy like that who's just trying to find his footing out there because it's so so it it seems like a mental aspect for him and and it comes it's just reps like you got to get in the gym and you just got to rep them out like i remember one year us getting like scouting reports from different teams and breaking them down and taking that into the summer. Like these are the things that people are trying to force you into and things you can and can't do and what they think. So let's fill these gaps. Um, and you know, like the shooting for me was one of those things at one point. So we broke it down as much as we could. We started practicing shooting out bad passes. We started um, implementing different footworks, different ways, like watching film to understand how to get yourself more shots in those positions to break the, the percentage by making them easier. So if you can understand situations, you can get yourself easier shots, easier three-point shots, more wide open three-point shots. You started to see that most defenses force people baseline. So if you can get to that opposite corner every time, you can almost get an open three in the corner five times a game. Mm-hmm. And I made a living off of that. Like literally <laughs> taking that in, I took that into the next three, four seasons, my second year in Cleveland and into Indiana, and I became one of the highest three-point percentage shooters in the corners in the league just from that one thing just if somebody drove baseline i booked it to the corner (laughs) (laughs) you knew what to do everything and then everything else came with confidence and reps and the more opportunities you get the more chances you get to grow you um talked about how guards were so pivotal in your career two guards that really stand out in your time in cleveland were kyrie irving and Dion waiters who for the record and were not the closest (laughs) of pals can you uh, describe what that dynamic is like? Because I can't imagine it's like an easy locker room to be in when you know two people just don't really seem to vibe with each other on so, the court. So the, the the misconception is they didn't – it wasn't a, a personal thing. It was literally a space where Kyrie was rookie of the year and literally on his, on his path already, and Dion was trying to carve his out. Now, this is not a bad thing. These things are just happening at the same time. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, so yeah. they're happening at the same time. 
and them both being ball dominant guards and we already know you know philly cheese the way he rock like he was he i gotta it's me against the world i gotta prove it and i'm not mad at him for that it's just it was those two things <laughs> happening at the same time um but like they it just was two young guys who couldn't see past that right there right, right then like they could they couldn't look at that three or four years in advance if we can figure out how if Dion becomes a six man or we can play off each other and be in the same they're not looking at it that way they're looking at how do i submit myself right now because mm-hmm. i don't want to be another young guy that's talented and fades out which is also not you know i can't knock any one of them for thinking that um if they come in at the same time it might be a little easier but because Kai is already rookie of the year and, you know, he's he's already going, he's like, nobody's stopping me from doing what I'm doing. <laughs> and then Dion's like, well, I'm going to have to go through you to get what I'm, get what I'm trying to get. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And, and, and it just was, that was just a hard thing for them to, so to grasp at that time. Did you see like a lot of those types of situations in your time in the league or was that more, more of like a unique precedent for you? I see it all the time. <laughs> like, <laughs> like this is, but this is because we all know it's not shortness of talent in the league. Most of the time mm-hmm. it's opportunity, right. timing, team you're on, an injury could be just the, the offense they run in that year, coaching chain, whatever, like that turns a guy from being a seven point scorer to a 15 point scorer that leads him to being – 15 for the rest of his career, 18, because now he's a 15-point scorer. Every team that comes to come get him now gives him that opportunity because he's proven to be that. But you've got to get that timing and that space to be able to do it. So you see it all the time with, like, especially young guys trying to figure it out that they get into a space where either there's a lot of vets and there's not timing that's bad and there's no space for them to grow, and they get put in a position. It's like, well, this is what I got, and this is how everybody sees me. So it's like – if I work in, like I said, it's a big office building. <laughs> My job, everybody knows I do this well. And I have to do, I have to at least do this well until I get the opportunity to expand. And sometimes you don't. Sometimes there, there are plenty of guys that you think are strictly shooters in our league that have a lot more talent in their game, a lot more things in their game. People see them in the summer and they blow people's minds. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you know, like. I mean, we make burgers. I'm, I'm the chief. Yo, uh, ben Simmons, watch the guy shoot a million threes in the off season, uh, but we don't see him do it in the regular that's, season. That's another situation. That's <laughs> <laughs> not to make light of anything that he went through, did, and things like that. His, his is strictly mental. Like mm-hmm. I, like it's, it's all mental because the one thing that was crazy was he wasn't even being himself at all. Like. He was an all-star without shooting threes and not shooting jump That is crazy. That is he was crazy. doing all these things before. And then it was like that one thing led him to just have what they called the yips and everything else. Like he just couldn't, he was so hyper-focused on what people were saying about that. And I'm like, just be who you are naturally. We worry about the rest of that stuff <laughs> later. Like just get downhill, be fast, athletic, who you are, pass the heck out of the ball, which he does. Like he defends like, nobody else at that position because he can play every position it's it was just wild absolutely if you were one of ben simmons teammates like if you were the veteran on like the brooklyn nets at that time what would you like try to be telling him right now as like a older brother figure kind of be you that was one of my (laughs) favorite things to say to people like be you like because i know who you are i'm in the gym with you every day i see it i know sometimes people just need to 
remember that. Like you, you know, you do, sometimes you need to remember more than you need. You need to forget more than you need to put in. Mm-hmm. Like you know, just be who you are. Make it simple, and things will start to just roll. Like you're never as far away as you think. Like we talk about slumps all the time. People think, like for us, because this is every day. Three games feels like six months. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and, and and guys can collapse on themselves, and that can turn into something of that type of nature. Like I've been there. I've done it. I've had a week turn into two months just because I was so when I first got to Cleveland, my first month, maybe longer. I don't know. Cause it felt like it was so long. <laughs> it was such a bad time for me. Like I could not put it together. Like I had been in Utah for seven years, played. I had never been in, you know what I mean? It was my first free agency, real one, like getting out, doing everything. And I was like, so excited for all this opportunity that I was going to have with B Scott. And I just, was so overzealous. I did everything a thousand miles an hour and I was so bad. Like it was so bad. I could not make a shot. I don't remember the numbers, but it was like, it was bad. <laughs> and then, like I said, one day you have like an eight point game, make a couple of good plays, just being simple, not trying anything. The next game you have a 15 point game or two games later you have a whatever. And then you start to just remember the feelings and the flow and the click. And next thing you know, you have a 20 point game. And now it's like, Oh, I remember how to do this. Like this is basketball. <laughs> and that's, that's how it goes. Uh, yeah. That's the definite. How often do you think that makes or breaks someone's career? For a lot of young, it does a lot for a lot of young. Like I say, it's not short of talent. It's never short of talent. You got to be so talented to even be thought about to get in the league. Like, I, I think that's the thing that we, we, we kind of overlook sometimes because that gap from like, you know, really good high school player going to D1, then the really good players at D1, then the lottery picks at D1, then the the guys in the draft that that get there, and then you got a rookie that's trying to take a spot, a rookie that's already planned on having his spot. Like, the trajectories are so different. Mm-hmm. And the path to get there is so different. And guys, you know, sometimes can't handle it being given to them because they don't actually work the way they should. And then some guys are in these spots where nothing's been given to them and it makes them three times better than they probably would have been if they did, if it had been a little bit easier for them. Like, we talk about Fred Van Fleet. Like, Fred's not Fred if his story's not that way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't get the mental capacity that he has from not going through those things. So it's, it's all, it's, it's really just how you look at the situation. And a lot of guys, like, some guys just want to make it to the league. There's no thought after that. Mm-hmm. So they can't, you know, they can't grasp it. It's like, all right, I got here. So it's supposed to be easy. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry, Corey. I was just going to ask real quick, CJ. Um, you know, one of the biggest storylines, one of the biggest remaining storylines in Cleveland right now is this whole Colin Sexton uh debate and i don't know how much of colin you've actually watched or you know how much of his game you've picked up recently but i just kind of want to get your thoughts on one do you think that colin at this point in time the qualifying offer do you think it would make more sense for him to go out there and just kind of play his way out on the qualifying offer and show exactly what he can do and how he fits with the core that we currently have in place here and two a player like that who has shown on an individual level that he can, you know, get out there and put up stats and impact winning to a certain degree. 
but hasn't necessarily had the requisite team around him. Because you've seen this. You've been a part of this with Kyrie, Dion, other young players. How much of that, when in terms of evaluating just how effective a player can be within the confines of a team, how much of that truly do you think factors in when a general management or an organization is making a decision on a guy like that? I think it's hard because, you know, we're so into the numbers now like so heavy into the numbers now. And there's like a, there's some guys that carry an energy and a, and a type of way about them that, that can't be judged off those metrics. And we looking at a guy who hasn't even got to play with the, the team. That's the talent. Yeah. That, that team. He's not played with these guys. It, it looked <laughs> a lot like, you know, there were individual components of the 2012 and 2013 teams that, you know, you could see that there were some, there was some talent there, but it wasn't, all together yet and it's still not together right now and during this past season but there was a heck of a lot more talent in town uh now than as opposed to his previous three seasons i mean i look at him now with the team because i actually got to see this team in person now when i was in my 10 day in boston we played cleveland um so like seeing them i have been watching them obviously from home but like seeing it in person and seeing them play the big lineup seeing seeing darius garland and the all-star caliber type in person i want it was was interesting too but like i i look at him as a wonderful piece to that team whether it's him being the sixth man whether his what do you figure out i don't think you can start him in Darius Garland because that's it'll be small but now size doesn't matter much now anyway the way the league's play so but like i think he's a spark plug that that's not there right now with as far as the abilities that he has he can score. He's going to win you some games by himself throughout the season just because of the way he plays. And I, I think giving him a chance to like to, to add to that culture they're building and add to that what they're doing is I think it'd be a disservice to get him out of there without at least seeing. And then if you don't like it, he's going to go be him. He's going to play well. You can trade him. You've got trade value. <laughs> That's what you really want. But you don't have either right now. So why not figure it out, you know, by playing? Um and is from his side, I would, I would, me, I would definitely go in and on a qualifying offer and just go earn my money if that's what it's about. Like, or if it's just security and respect that you want, but like, because I figured, I know if I get through 40 games of me being looking like who I really am, mm-hmm. that, that's an easy conversation. Now. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it might not even take 40. It, it's just seeing you out there. That's fair. Yeah, with um with Colin, I feel like one of the major critiques of him is that when the season started last season, he only played like eleven or so games, and in those games, he was still in the adjustment of his new role with the Cavs. He went from being the focal point of an offense for three seasons to then having to learn to share the ball and get his get his moments in different spots as a play, like as a current NBA player. Do you feel like that is a, not a valid criticism? of like adjusting to a completely new role on the fly, especially when you're a young player already grown into playing a certain way. Cause on a lesser team, you have way more opportunities. Yes. Especially the way he plays. You know what I mean? Like that is a huge adjustment. He is a, like, they don't, he's a bull. They don't call him that for no reason. <laughs> like, he plays that way. Like, and that's why the role he had before he was excelling because it allowed him to be in that type of freedom. Now you add the thinking component to the game and it, it, it changes the dynamic because now it's like, ah, I shot three times in a row. But if those were the three shots you were supposed to take, those are the three best shots. Who cares? 
But if he's already, if you're thinking about that now, it 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 takes away from who he is. Like um, we watched, we watched Russell Westbrook, like who's one of the best players to ever play in our league, <laughs> go through this very thing in year. What is this? 15, 16, something like Crazy. that. Yeah. So you can't tell me that a young guy who's trying to figure it out still can't have this, not having these thoughts, you know, like I, I think it, it happens to a guys a lot. And then that adjustment is hard, especially when you see guys flourishing around you with mm-hmm. while it's happening. Cause now there's more pressure. You thinking you're going to get left behind or you thinking you got to, I'm not carrying my weight. I need to add my value to this cause we trying to get better. And I think that's what hurts the most when you got real competitive guys is that they feel like they not doing their job. And that's at least that's what how I would speak for myself. That was the thing I hated. I hated it was never about me for myself, like playing well or not playing well. It was always like I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing that makes this thing go. How are we gonna be what we say we wanted to be in training camp when I've been looked at to play this role and I can't I'm not doing it? That's fair. Yeah, Head, heading into the 2013-2014 season, did you at the time feel that Cleveland had the adequate pieces to make a run at the playoffs? I think the that I think they ended up finishing 30 uh, 33 and 49 that season. That was second year. That was my second yep. year. Yes, I 100% did. I was absolutely floored <laughs> that we did that they didn't make, especially with the mid-season trades for yeah. Lawal and Spencer. No, no, we yeah. Well, I one thousand oh Spence. I think oh man, I haven't I haven't, I haven't talked to him in a long time. But um, <laughs> that was sorry. I had a little. Um, but yeah, I definitely thought we did. I definitely thought we had a chance. Um, we it, we just didn't put it together, obviously. But like, I definitely thought that team was talented enough to get in the playoffs. Because I what? thought bringing Jared in was really big. Mm-hmm. Anthony Bennett at the time, like, you know, another example of some of the mental things that go. Because I tell you all the time, the one, the, the Anthony Bennett I saw coming into training camp, mm-hmm. like when working the workouts, the scrimmages, the playing, the everything, like was like, I don't. He looked like he was going to turn into Larry Johnson. <laughs> like I'm not kidding at all. People like look at me in shock and awe. I'm like it was, and then that. And the first thing I told him was to get off his phone. I remember saying this to him in the locker room one day. I was like, bro, just get off your phone. Like, do not stay. Because this is the, the turning point of social media. Was he reading right. what people were saying about him so from that aspect? He is, because okay. he's the number one pick. Right. And, and that year, remember, they talked about the draft not being yeah. – and that he's not – he shouldn't be a number one pick. And, like, and I wanted – I said, it's not your fault. Where the timing of where we at right now, the, you are the number one pick. That's 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 the stop right there. Like whatever they saying does not matter. You are the number one pick. Don't let somebody tell you you wouldn't be in 2017 or you wouldn't be in 2010. That this is not what year that is. And I think that started to weigh on him. I think his first like 20 shots was threes or something like that year, and he didn't make some. And <laughs> it was like he it just got to him. Is there like a specific moment where you kind of noticed his mind uh, mindset shift where you're like, oh, this is like taking a turn for the worse? He 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 just you just see it in his body language. Like I don't remember exactly when I just remember it, it started to he he started to feel like that that shame that we talk about are not doing, and like now it's such a higher scale because you know this is. Like people call him the dark years. Brian left, so like everything is like who's gonna <laughs> who's gonna change and who's gonna help rebuild and do all you know. And they thought he had a real chance to do that with the addition of Kyrie and Tristan and Dion and 
those are young, talented guys. Like, so I think that just started to, to get on them, but you could just see it. It was like heavy on them. Like it just, that's the best way I could put it. It just looked heavy. And I remember, I remember being in a game and I walked up to him. We were in the game together. And he shot a free throw and it didn't look like any shot I ever seen him shoot. It did not look like his shot. And I was standing behind him. I walked up to him in the game. I stood in front of him so he couldn't see the basket. And I was like, hey, this is basketball. I just remember trying to say that to him, trying to get him to like just have some fun like, out relax. there. Yeah, like, yeah. like just like man, like this basketball, and you love to play basketball. These people came to see you play basketball. Like, we don't got no problems. <laughs> like <laughs> play game for a living. It's nothing really that bad. That's I tell you, that's my favorite one of the other favorite lines. People ask me if I'm okay. I'm like, bro, I play basketball for a living. Like I got no, <laughs> like I get up every day and go work out and pick my kids up from school. Like I don't, I don't understand what you want me to. Like I don't have none. If you, if you, I have to go look for stuff that shouldn't be weighing on my life, and that's what he was doing at the time. Another interesting character during your second season of with the Cavs was the Andrew Bynum situation. Could you like elaborate what it was like? Cause that just seemed like a turbulent experience from beginning to end. And I just want to know like what a locker room mindset was like when you have such a like prominent like attitude in the locker room. He, he, so he had things he was going through. Like that was the biggest thing. Like it wasn't, you know, when we, Another thing, like we we me Jared, like guys, we 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 rallying for him, you know what I mean? Like, but it's tough because you go from he, yeah, he has some, to, he has he some star to, seasons in LA. He's about yeah. to be the best big in the league. You know, mm-hmm. we think he's in that conversation. We talking about that. And then the body don't allow it. Like it's not nothing he can do. Like it's not, it's not like he had one thing and I can like this is what I gotta change to get back to that. Like it was literally days he would have in Cleveland, he'd have good nights. And then the body wouldn't allow him to do it the next day. Well, he couldn't practice this day. It just it was just things that he, he couldn't he couldn't do. And I think that started to eat at him because every time he thought he was taking steps, it was something little that would just kind of like pull him down. And I and it was I couldn't imagine, you know, this is a championship caliber starting center. Mm-hmm. Playing some of the best basketball in the big. I can't tell you how excited I was. I was ecstatic. <laughs> yeah, whenever they acquired it. I'm like, oh, man, here we go. No, and the same with him. He had his days where you're like, he really remi- he reminds you of why he was who he was. And you see it in practice some days and in the games. He had some good games, but it was just it's the body wouldn't allow him to do it. Oh, man. Now I'm just bummed out. Depressing. So, it's, you know, it, no, it was, you know, I know Drew from we just in high school class. So like, oh, wow. Um, and like that was just that was it was just tough to see because like, you know, what I mean, like. You, you want everybody to be able to do what what they feel like they should be doing. And he felt like he should be doing that. You know yeah, what I mean? Like like the hardest thing. Yeah, he working for it. And it's just not happening. I feel like one of the hardest things for players is that when they lose their mindset, like their body gives up on them. They just don't know like what to do because like mentally they still want to play, but they physically like just aren't able to do what their mind is wanting them to do. Yeah, I – that was so when I had my my two like minor surgeries in like 2019, that kind of like I had never been through nothing like that. I had never been through a point where like I could I couldn't call for my body to do what I wanted it to do. And that I I don't even know how to explain it, especially when that's what you've done your whole life. You know what I mean? Like um, and 
you looking at it like like we talked about like I I shoot threes. That's what I do. That's what everybody's doing. <laughs> like, and I'm at home. Like, I can't even. I got a cast on. I got a, a boot on. I'm in like on a little one knee wheelie thing. And I'm like, man, this is wild. Like, um, but it's just you just gotta. I don't even know how to explain it. It's just something you gotta deal with. Like, you gotta internally figure that out. Like, and understand that all your work is not in that. But at the same time, I get it. Yeah. Um, when you're when you're talking about a player like that, of his caliber is certainly something to watch him, you know, from just from a fan perspective, just to see a guy like that go out there and look like he's giving it his all. And then, you know, out of from out of nowhere, he just seems like, you know, just the, the wheels fall off. Looks like we lost Corey. I think he's coming back. But um, man. I wanted to ask you this because following that season um, and all the turbulence that went with it um, from an off-court perspective, um, you know, marked the return of uh, a pretty big part of Cleveland history, and that is LeBron James. Now, I wanted to ask, did you have, did, did you or anybody else have any inkling that LeBron would possibly be returning? Because no you finished that season. No shot. <laughs> no chance. And I had to not know. And what's crazy is when it started to like start getting out, like that it might happen. Mm-hmm. And I was free agent that year. Um, and one of the things you know, that was part of the conversation was like how I fit with the I fit with with him coming back and the way he plays and what he does and mm-hmm. things like that. But then when it got really real, everything stopped. Like, it's like <laughs> we're not gonna make no moves until we know what he's doing. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. that's how I remember when I signed with Indiana um, in that free agency, Kyrie was like, wow. Like, <laughs> I was like, bro, I don't know what you want me to do. Like, tell him no and wait until like this or this happens or whatever. But I just remember like we Did had. Did you have life. interest in playing with him, um, you know, upon that time? My job, yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, and I wasn't even like strictly standstill or anything. I was still, you know, moving around, getting up. And, but I mean, just the way that the attention that he drew and the way he passed the ball. And then with Kyrie, I had a relationship with him already. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I felt like I I was at that time I was built to be on that team. I felt that way. And working with Phil Handy, working with Aubrey, working like I, I feel like I got so much better in that time span. I was ready for that. You know, he comes back, you know where we're going. Like, <laughs> I was ready for that part. Like, I hadn't been there yet. Like, I hadn't done that. Um, we will have really good teams in Utah, obviously, like, but, like, I was ready to, to see what that was like. So now you've had some experience with time in the G League. Um, did you feel like you are seeing younger players just accelerate in a different way than when you were playing like when you said you came into the league very young and now you're seeing players come in the league at the same time that you are, you were when you started, do you feel like it's just like a complete change? Cause like the AAU circuit or just um, the work that they're allowed, they're exposed to and the, the, the trainers and the, the knowledge of the game and the way, like I, I couldn't go to the gym and work out with me. Like, and be, you know what I mean? Like there was no way for us to, to, to bridge the gaps like that. Like, um, like when I'm in when I'm in Dallas with um and Tyler Ralph's gym, like myself, Miles Turner, Julius Randle, Buddy Heald, all these guys, like the the all the top guys in high school that work out there too, 
they they we rub shoulders. We in there. Like we together. <laughs> we give them all the info. We can give them all the game. We work out together. We do all these different things. Like, and that wasn't there coming up. So like so much exposure to like what you how you really have to work to 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 you know get to this level is right in front of them. Like I only met the only pros I met Michael Finley at like a autograph signing <laughs> when I was in Dallas. But like um, I think that's one of the biggest things is like the exposure, and it's a problem too because some of the exposure is is you know it looks cool to be a basketball player but a lot of guys don't really want to play basketball like mm. you know what i mean like i i've never been around so many young guys also i'd be like yo we playing pickup but we doing this you're trying to come work no nah, i'm good <laughs> yeah <laughs> you want to play basketball for a living like and we got a room for the guys that's done it and you don't right. want to, you don't want to take none of this like <laughs> none of the knowledge or none of the game or even see where you stack up like even your competitive side should make you want to come but if you pass some money out on Instagram, <laughs> I was gonna say. I, I mean, if you're not recording a vlog, are you really playing basketball? I mean, come on. <laughs> That's where we get now, though. Like, and I'm not mad. You know, these kids being able to make money off their likeness and things like that. Like, mm-hmm. I think they should be able to do that, especially the way the you know, way social media has allowed things to go. Um, but it's also putting people in places where like guys are just you know being pushed by other things. And it's not even them all the time. It's everybody around them. Oh, we can do this. We can do that. We can do this. Like, and did you go to the gym today? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this is what make the main thing the main thing. Like, is there a young player you've noticed in your time in the G League that you're like, oh, this guy is gonna like terrorize the league Scoot one day? Henderson. Yeah. Like, what makes him so like? I've heard a ton about him, but like, when your opinion, seeing him like every day, pretty much, what are you like noticing? I mean, obviously, athletically, he's a man child. Like, he's <laughs> Strong, fast, quick, every whatever words you want to put in athletic, he has all of those things. Yeah. But he 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 wants to be it. That's the first step. Like, you know what I mean? Like I remember talking to him and just like he's uh kind of a quiet kid, but like, you know, like he he's taking in everything. And he wants he 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 wants it. That's the biggest thing for me. Like, cause a lot of guys like they say a lot of things and then but they don't do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, like and he's the opposite he's not talking a lot but he's doing all the things that i've seen guys that that are, are what he wants to be do like he already has some of those traits and that's that's big and then the fact that he gets two years with the ignite because of his age i think mm-hmm. it's a big advantage because he gets that first year to kind of get his feet wet and then he gets to have he gets to come into a situation with confidence which is what we talk about is you don't always get that he gets to come back this year with familiarity and not thrown in, you know, a different space and whatever. And he's going to be able to really expand. And with the name like Scoot, he's destined for success. So oh, <laughs> you know how that goes. <laughs> Dude, you have played in over 850 regular season games. I'm not sure if you're aware of that, but you've appeared at 850 regular season games and over 44 playoff games. So I would consider that really, really accomplished. But if you never stepped foot on an NBA court again, would you be satisfied with your career? I'm getting there. <laughs> I'm getting, I'm getting to uh, like, cause um, I'm not a big, like, I was having a conversation with one of my older um I call I guess I call him my big brother. That's what I call him. But like we were just talking about like I'm not a big fan of like like hanging him up. They'll be mm-hmm. hung up for you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I, yeah. I I I love the game and I'm I'm 
I'm in a gym because I want to be in a gym. That's the other thing that that's what is cool about the stage I'm in. Like all of this is off love of what I like to do, what I love mm-hmm. to do. Like I get to get up and share the game with younger kids that want to know or college kids, whatever other younger pros that's trying to figure things out. And like I get to tinker with it and, and still craft it and still, you know, just play and, and, and do things. So I'm, I, I'm not ashamed of, I, I don't feel the need. Like I don't, I don't even know the words for it. Uh, <laughs> so I'll put it like this. When I first went down, I was out. Like, I was like, I got to get back. I got to get back. I got to get back. That was like my whole, and it became like this enraged state. Like, I started missing out, like, just on what was around me for real. Like, and I was in a space where, like, all I wanted to do was play basketball and, you know, be there for my kids who are really young. So, like, that was one, that was the one drawback of going back to play. I was going to start to mm-hmm. miss a lot of things and things like that. And then I looked up and I was getting to do what I what I had literally, you know, sat down and put in my thoughts that I wanted to do. I was my kids are going to the gym with me. Like we get to go, we get to, you know, I was I was playing, a G League thing came and the situation allowed them to be able to come out, be back and forth. Um, so I just kind of take everything as in stride and just whatever's in front of me, I attack it. But like I I, I am very proud of what I accomplished and what I did. And I think it took me to get here to look at it that way before I just wanted to do more. Um, and I think now I'm at a space where like, I, I'm a second round pick out of high school that played half his life in the NBA. Like I don't, like I said, I don't have no complaints. Like, yeah, again, over 850 games, man, in the regular season. That that's crazy. <laughs> that's it's wild to hear you say it. Like I never would have looked that number up or I never really like, but just to hear you say that is just like, you know, grow up your whole life. You want to play basketball. Like, at least that's what I wanted to do, and I got to do it. So I'm, I'm happy. You've almost played three full years of basketball. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a, that's even wilder statement. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is definitely insane, man. Um, just looking up and down this Cavs roster uh, right now, we're seeing that there's probably going to be a lot of intense – you know, um, lineup battles, just positional battles. When you're talking about, um, you know, when Colin Sexton uh, eventually returns, uh, you know, whether it be on a qualifying or multi-year offer. And then you look at a guy like um, Isaac Okoro and Karis LeVert, a player that I feel, you know, (laughs) people have been given a rough time, uh, but haven't really given them enough time to truly acclimate with this, this offense. You only played 21 games this past season with the Cavs. So um, when you're looking up and down this roster right now, is there a player that stands out in particular that you think is due for a breakout? So obviously Darius, Darius makes everything go. I think it's, I look at it as cares. I think cares is like, he has all the tools at that, that that off guard spot to be very, very special on both ends, the length, the athleticism, he handles it well, creates his own shot. Um, I don't know his numbers on how he shot it off the catch before. He's going to obviously have to add some of that to play with Darius and if Colin plays so he can kind mm-hmm. of make some more opportunities for himself. But I think, you know, the, the time that, you know, the, the injury and to the, the get back into the swing of things and get that over the mental hump of that, I think he's had the time to be able to do that. And I think he's going to be able to slide in into the game and be – the, the guy we've seen him be just on a consistent basis. So 
as a player, how much does that health standpoint? Because I, I want to say Karras has played, uh, he hasn't played a f- past 60 games in about five seasons, but we've seen clearly when he's on, he can play. The guy can play when he's healthy. How much of that factors in, in, in terms of your mental standpoint from just going out there and letting loose and playing, playing free? Yeah, because if you got to think about your your body, you, how could you really, really be free out there? You know what I mean? If you got to think if, if I can or can't do this or if I got to watch my watch, you know, watch my step, watch my mm-hmm. if I got a minute restriction or if I got a whatever. Like it's hard to be fully locked in when you got all these other factors that go into the game. Like, you know, um, so I, that's why I hope that he's, he's able to be in that space where he's free. On from that side, because like he's creative with the basketball, he's uber talented. We know, like, and I, w- I would love to see him be able to to play with the freedom that you watch Darius play with. Like, <laughs> he got that ball on the string and all the hezos and all the the moves that he has. Like, uh-huh. um, and I'm not going. I can't not say Evan's name. Obviously, <laughs> like, I can't not say his name. Like, he's a special, special dude. Like, um, and. I don't even know. Have like, you ever seen anybody him. like him? That's what I'm trying to say. They keep trying to give him the Tim Duncan thing, and I think mm-hmm. that's just a demeanor thing. Like, he's quiet. <laughs> he's like, I think that's what that is. But, like, there's some shades of young Timmy in there when Timmy was still dunking on people athletic. But, like, <laughs> he is so athletic and long and mobile, and he's under control. Like, I never see him sped up. Like, he's got, like, such a good pace to his game. And he started adding range to his jump shot. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, so we have this conversation about basketball all the time about the way the league changes. Like, mm-hmm. like how Steph shifted everything and how, or before that, how Shaq shifted everything or like whatever. So like, there's always going to like Giannis right now is like the hybrid. Like there's always a guy that's a talent that changes the way the league has to play because they have to, to beat, to win. You got to beat that guy. So we have to have somebody for that. And I think he's in that realm of big, like, of like how Kevin Garnett was and how like where he can just, he's such a matchup problem, play the five, the four, shoot right now. You could put him, like you said, they play three bigs. You can put him out there. And I think he has that type of potential of really, really being dominant because of that. Because like you imagine KG playing in his prime now, like, the, like, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's wild. And I think that's my best comparison for him. I, I like that comparison more. The KG comparison. Because of the mobility and the thing. Like, I, I think KD, KG had a little bit better handle with it, but we can mm-hmm. get there. Like, how old is he? Uh, Mobley? Yeah, the 21, I think, 2021. Yeah, so we talking the same type of trajectory. KG came in really young. He came in 18, 19, but, like, he don't turn into KG for a couple years anyway, so – I look at it that way. Like, I think he's got that type of potential, like to really, really shift this thing. Um, and he looks like he liked the work. Like, so. <laughs> yeah. Silent type. Always. You're not going to see him complaining about anything that out there. Scary <laughs> that was the scary ones, you know, never, never hear him coming. You never know what's going to happen. <laughs> Is there anybody on the current cast roster that reminds you of yourself right now? A younger self? Uh, I don't know. I can't really, I can't really place it. Like I, I, because I, so when I was coming there, um, 
I was still, like I said, we weren't talking about shooting threes. I was still very much running jump kind of um, slashing. I was super streaky at that time. Like I was either making nine threes or I was <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like there was, there, it wasn't really that type of party yet. Like I hadn't really grasped that part of shooting yet, but um, I don't know. Like I, I see a lot of the young athletic wings now and they, they, because the game is so open, they have the potential to become anything now. Like, yep. you know, before it was just kind of like the systems allowed guys to be who they were in the systems. Now it's so free that the opportunities, if you can, you know, execute a couple of times, trust grows from those. So like if you get a pick and roll just because you're playing free, we might have never put you in a pick and roll before today. <laughs> but because you get a few games in a row of just because of the freedom of play mm-hmm. allows you to get in them now, start the second quarter, I'm going to put you in this pick and roll. Because you've shown me for two weeks now and the freedom of it that you can make these decisions and play the game that way. Like, to go back to, like, me and Salt Lake, we playing in a 1-4 high system. Everything is, the pass goes there, this happens. Like, <laughs> that's, that's how the day, that's how we playing. Like, every play, every team in the league knew all our plays. Like, we, we just ran them well. But, like, that's, that's the way it was. So, I think now it's just, like, guys got to just take advantage of the opportunity and work. Yeah, definitely going to be a lot of positional battles, as I said before. You know, you're going to see probably some tough conversations that that JB Bickerstaff is going to have to have with some of these guys. JB too. I had JB in Memphis. Um, <laughs> I, got I love JB. JB's a good dude. Uh, him and JJ. Um, but like, I'd rather have that conversation than be trying to figure out how I'm gonna plug these holes. <laughs> like, I'd rather, <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd rather be talking like, man, I might have to play him 18 and him 17. Okay, like. And then they'll figure it out as the season goes. Like, yeah, it's a good problem to have for sure. Definitely something that um, I'm I am not envious of JB Bigger stuff for, but I'm as a fan, I'm glad that we can finally be talking about these types of things. Like, who is actually going to play and who's going to sit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it uh, seems it seems like between you liking Luke Wallen and JB that you should have a return to Cleveland in the cards. <laughs> something should be man. It'd be the perfect yeah, fit there. Yeah, yeah. call me, man. I'm, I'm <laughs> Uh, I know you uh, love living in San Antonio, but we could run it back in Cleveland one more time. Yeah, yeah for sure. Like, <laughs> I'm down, like, and I'm always down too. Cause like my biggest thing is like, I, I, I always say, so you try to be what you didn't have. So like, I always think about coming up, like how, how many older guys really could attach and really help me the way I needed to be helped at the time. It was such a different league when I came in, it was still, at the grasp of that old school, like vet, like hard life hazing, all, all that. It was still almost in there. Like, 2005, like I'm still getting up at 530 in the morning to get donuts and like chasing bags and like, you know, like the silly stuff. Like, Is that a real thing? Like that really happens. They do that. So story. <laughs> I we land somewhere cold. I'll say Minnesota. I don't remember where it was. We land. It's like two in the morning. We're riding. This selling my age again. Greg Oshetag is on my team. Him and Matt Harper. Um, <laughs> Greg, for some reason, this donut shop sign is on at two in the morning. It's closed. I don't know why it's on. I don't know why. And it's freezing. We pass it. It's like 10 minutes from the hotel. Taps me on my shoulder. He was like, hey, in the morning, we're going to have to get taped at the hotel for a shoot around. You better have two dozen donuts in that room. And if I find out you took a cab, it's going to be problems. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> yes. 
And knowing Greg, Greg would have somebody there and they're watching. That was the type of dude Greg was. He was he was hilarious. He was funny. Like he never did anything malicious to me, but he messed with me. And he was a Dallas guy. Like he's from the area, so like he, mm-hmm. he messed with me. And like I remember, he made me carry his shoes. And then he'd be like, "No, you bring me my shoes to my room before we go to the bus. Don't bring them to practice. Like bring them to me at this time in the morning. I get to his room. He still be asleep. Like he wouldn't even be ready to go. He just be like, oh, thanks. And like just messing with me. Matt wanted a newspaper, like." A new, which is ancient times. People ask for newspapers. That's how you do something like you wanted newspapers, like. But yeah, I, I didn't get any of that crazy stuff. You know, those Shaq stories, him tying people up in showers and stuff. Nothing like that. But <laughs> it was real though. We had duties for sure. Yeah, I'm sure that plays a role in the camaraderie and the brotherhood. No, not for sure. Like, but then it was it was messed up because I couldn't do any of those things because everybody <laughs> that came was older than me. So like, what I'm gonna tell. Dude, that's three years older than me to get my bags. I can't, like, I didn't get the, I didn't get that part. So then, <laughs> you had another reason to come to Cleveland. You have a bunch of youngsters there. <laughs> At this point, I, don't, I don't care enough. Like, <laughs> I'm just worried about if you got your shots up. Like, I'm not worried about none of the other stuff. <laughs> right, right. Uh, man, before we get out of here, we, we know the East as a whole, really the NBA. It's a great time right now in the NBA. So much talent, very talent-laden league. But the East, in general, in my opinion, took a massive leap. Um, you're you're going to see a lot of different teams this season vying for those uh, 10 spots, you know, when you're factoring in the playing games and whatnot. Do you think Cleveland right now, just purely on paper, has the requisite talent to become a top six seed in the East? The talent? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yes, without a question. Like I think they do. Um, it's just about growth at this point. Like It's about the, when you got – and that's the thing, too, when, especially when you got young guys that are becoming your guys. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's still some curves, some things they got to get to, like – because now Darius has got to come back on top of last year and figure out how, like, there's even more effort to get the ball out of your hands, to take things away from you, to think. It's another learning curve. And, like, once you can master, like, you know, taking it a game by game and and really, like, picking apart defenses and understanding what people are really going to try to do to you. Because the biggest thing is, like, they always talk about, you always hear people say the game's slowing down for them. They always yeah, say that. Yeah. That's just familiarity. That's just like, oh, I've seen this before. Like, that's all that is. So, like, it's just steps. Like, it's just like, oh, go to state runs and play like this too. Like, it's just, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, that's all. That's what makes the game slow down. So, um, it's just minutes and, and, and reps. Like, and, and and the good thing about them, those young guys have got a lot of reps. Like, mm-hmm. Evan got a lot of reps last year. They got to play a lot of minutes. They got to do a lot of things. Like, that expedites the process. Awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm really pulling for him this season. I'm hoping that, uh, you know, prior to injury this past season, they look to be in pretty good shape to finish as a top four seed. But like I said, the East <laughs> got uh, a little more dangerous with guys like uh, yeah. <laughs> with uh, the Murray. In general, like you said, like we, yeah. the league is, is as talented top to bottom as it's ever been just from a player standpoint. Like even guys that don't get a lot of minutes on teams like those guys are even more talented than they used to be. Like, <laughs> um, like it's just the, because the skill set is skills have been driven so much more now. Yeah. Like it's, you have to be half skills now because of the way we play the game. So open, everybody's touching the basketball, everybody's handling the basketball. Like, so it's, it's, it's stressing guys to get in the gym and we can tell if you haven't been. 
Yeah, that kind of reminded me of a recent tweet from uh, D'Angelo Russell. I'm not sure if you saw it. <laughs> I think he said that there are more athletes in the NBA right now than basketball players. Um, <laughs> it definitely seems like a skill, like a skill aspect of the NBA right now. I understand where he's coming from, though, because you're looking at a lot of people looking for a similar player, mm-hmm. a tight player, looking for a wing that's multi-positional, long athletic obviously and then those and they try to turn those guys into skill guys that's um, a good point yeah and that's happening a lot like i went to go see toronto play when they came to san antonio they had four guys on the floor six seven six nine like <laughs> all like, tall, you know what i mean like yeah. and fred van fleet like all of them and fred <laughs> like that was the line of that was it was like pascal daddy is young og uh, precious og was hurt um, uh, somebody else, but like just that was the lineup though. Like all those guys and Fred, just so they switch everything, be chaotic, be, and then we figure out the rest later. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're seeing teams follow that blueprint right now. Like San Antonio, they <laughs> they definitely took their most recent draft picks based upon that uh, that mindset. It kind of and they already have guys like that there now. Mm-hmm. Like so, and but it's like if we can. If I have a if I have skills at every position, like I don't have like offensively at least, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of things I can't do. Like I I can I can pick on every matchup. I can pick on every player I want to pick on because I can like we talked about earlier. I can put this guy in a pick and roll at the four, mm-hmm. or I can send the one to be the big to set the screen. Like you see, Steph setting a lot of high screens for people now. Like things like that. We just want to we want to take. People talk about defense being iffy in the league, but like they don't understand how hard it is to guard <laughs> the things that people are doing now. Like the shooting everywhere, mm-hmm. everybody handles it. The pace, the floor looks like it's bigger because range is being extended. So there's so much space, and you can't touch people. So what do you what do you want from me? I like to see um, whoever whoever tweeting. <laughs> <laughs> I think we I may have just lost CJ. We might have just lost you, man. But uh, we appreciate you for coming on. <laughs> this is uh, this is fitting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for how the episodes uh, definitely start out. But seriously, CJ, if you can still hear us and you know viewers at home and whatnot, it's been an excellent episode. Very, very, very lifelong dream here to have a former cavalier on the podcast so cj if you can still hear us man uh much love for coming out tonight and as we always tell you guys if you'd like to reach out to us you can at it's cavalier underscore pod on twitter tiktok instagram youtube and more if you'd like to be added to the exclusive it's cavalier discord chat you can you know what to do Leave a rating, leave a review, take a screenshot of set review, and email it to iscavalier53 at gmo.com, and we will personally send you that invite. <laughs> yeah, there goes CJ. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, great episode, though. Great episode for sure. Go Caps. <laughs>